Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yahoo. On this episode of Big Drive Energy, full swing recap, we go to episode number four. This is called Imposter Syndrome. Um, great episode. Joel Damon is is an awesome dude, but we'll get into that. And this is all brought to you by our presenting sponsor over at Pins and Aces. We are going to be doing a Masters watch party at the DNVR Bar, Colfax, New York, coming up on Masters Saturday at 11 a.m. We're going to have some food specials with some, um, ideally, some egg salad sandwiches. Uh, we're going to have some specials on John Daly's. So I'm looking forward to all of this. I know we both are looking forward to a great day at the DNVR bar. Pins and Aces will be there. Um, they're going to have some of their gear. It's going to be just an awesome day. So make sure you're you're uh, blocking out your calendar for Saturday of the Masters and come hang out with us as we watch Saturday of the best tournament in the world. Um, speaking of the Pins and Aces, they got their new Masters collection that dropped. It's sick. It's really good. Uh, they're selling out of all their stuff already, so make sure to use our code BDE. Save yourself 15% off at pinsandaces.com and free shipping. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> syndrome i'd like to say i have that but i'm not good enough to have that you have to reach a certain level of uh um of oh what's i yeah i definitely don't have it either because i can't even think of it you have to Athletic have ability? Certain, accompl- certain level of accomplishments in order to have that uh but no <laughs> joel was fucking awesome man like my biggest takeaway from this whole episode was if you could watch that and you still don't like like the guy or root for the guy, then I don't I'm not a fan of you. Like I can't fuck with you. You know what I mean? It's it's just one of those where that dude you can't dislike him. Like what is there to dislike? He's just so cool all the way around. 
Um, I will also say that by the sounds of it, the whole, the whole like your negative self-talk and shit isn't necessarily, it was very um, overblown for the show where like, I don't think he really in his head has uh, that little amount of confidence. So obviously they got to make a TV show and they got to make it look good, but I thought it was great all the way around. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of this in the show and, you know, we'll get to uh, future episodes down the road. Um, But I do think a lot of the guys are like, Oh, you know, this is kind of my chance to be a certain way, whether, you know, like, not saying Joel Damon's trying to be a comedian, but it, you know, it opens them up to being maybe a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more like, Hey, we can kind of say whatever we want to be, if whether that's funny, they're going for funny or, you know, there's multiple different things that he could be going for there. Um, but it's, it's something where he just is kind of like, Hey, I'm going to fucking lean into who I am. Yeah, for sure. And and like you said, this TV show kind of gives them a chance to do that, which is great. Uh, obviously, like I said, they're trying to make a good TV show and get ratings. But for real, like I you know me, we're brothers, obviously. Um, I don't cry like very neither of us really cry like ever. But the whole thing with his mom, like almost made me shed a tear. Uh, and just like what he's overcome and his battle with cancer, like just so like imagine the perspective that dude has and how lucky, like he said, he's like, I think having cancer saved my life. Like it made me value things and appreciate just every day. And I think that's such a overlooked thing in society today where everybody just feels like they're entitled to so much that like you're not entitled to shit. Be thankful for what you got and uh just and try to enjoy every day and that's that's truly what damon does which i i just love about the guy yeah him being able to just put life in perspective when you're on the golf course and you think it's like the worst day ever you know it goes back to that that old saying we hear from a million members at the course you know when you're working it's like oh a bad day on the golf course is better than a a great day at work and they're not wrong uh, as, yeah. as cliche as it sounds, but or just a lot like, of the old, the lot of the old guys would say uh, I'm vertical. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. exactly. Any day being alive is a, a good day. You know what I mean? Right. But with what Joel Damon went through being, you know, a 17 year old and we can actually kind of relate to this. Uh, not, we weren't as old, but uh, losing a parent of course is never easy. Losing a parent to cancer isn't easy. Um, and then kind of, you know, finding out that you have, it too later on like it's just got to be kind of just a mental blunder of like hey this could fucking be gone you know his mom they gave her six months to live and it was almost exactly six months so that that can be gone in a fucking heartbeat um and i'm kind of not getting up getting choked up a little bit but like just the the multiple times where he got choked up kind of was like holy shit you know you're sitting there like wow like even just talking about his caddy who's also an absolute legend yeah yeah we'll definitely talk about him a little bit yeah, when he got teared up about talking or reading the the letter that uh, Gino wrote him, like basically applying to be his caddy, that was just like some of the coolest shit. Because you you need a guy in your corner that thinks you're the bomb and thinks you're the fucking best and you're the man, and that's what Gino thinks Joel is, and uh, that's just such a cool relationship. Obviously, 
uh, some other funny things like when he when Gino calls him a boner uh, on the course at the U.S. Open. That's hilarious. Um, they just seem like best buddies, which they are. And I think that is ideally if I was out on tour, that would be my relationship with my caddy, whoever it was. Like if you were my caddy, I don't even think we would have as good of a relationship as those two do. Cause uh, there's, there's maybe, you know what to say and what not to say now, but back in the day, you were a fucking asshole uh, when you caddied for me. So uh, it was, it, it was just a great, great episode. What, what were some of like your favorite parts? Um, I think all of the, as even though we kind of discussed it being overblown, I think all the negative self-talk was just so fucking funny when he was like, oh, shit's about to get real fun. Yeah. Uh, and he's like when they're going over in the rough. Um, and then also just when he's in the in all the, you know, the interviews outside of um, the actual golf course where they're like, are you ready to win a major? And he's just like, nope, not even close. <laughs> Like yeah. some, somebody's got, there was some all time quotes in this. You could have almost just quoted the whole show. Um, there's somebody has got to be the best, the 70th best player in the world. Why, why isn't it me? Why can't it be me? You know, yeah. just so many good quotes from Joel. And he's like, like a very good version of me. Like, I feel like that's how I operate and I would operate if I was on tour, which I'm, you know, worlds and light years away from that, but we're almost, he's a couple years older than me, but just like the, you know, drinking white claws at the turn, basically. I was going to say that's, that's you to a T just hammering a bunch of white claws talking about how much you suck. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that is it. (laughs) But dude, kind of speaking to that, like, first of all, us open qualifiers, you've played in those before. Um, And it's one of those things where, yeah, like the U.S. Open should not be something that's easily attainable. Like you shouldn't just easily be able to get into it. Right. But thinking of it from it's kind of crazy to see from their perspective, like, holy shit, this guy's a really good player. Uh, and he has to basically play his ass off for, you know, 36 straight holes in one day to be able to make the U.S. Open. And when you see it from our perspective where, you know, we're you were good enough, to, you were definitely good enough to probably qualify at least get through sectionals and maybe into national qualifying for a u.s open well it's local and sectional so or, excuse me I, local i got close to sectional. getting through locals a few times but sectionals you gotta play your ass off yeah but just going to those like if you were to go to a local and see joel damon you know like as from his perspective we're like oh he you know he has no chance or this or that but then when you're us and you see that from him and you see him there and you're like this guy's won a tour event i'm fucked there's one spot you yeah. know like it, it's just a different perspective from where we've been oh 100 and like even to think too when you think about how good he is relative to like the rest of the even professional golf world um he shoots 71 basically thinks he's out of it goes and kind of obviously doesn't fucking take it very serious uh between 18s hammers a few white claws which is a legendary move that may have been for the show like who knows uh but i know there's plenty of guys on mini tours and it's really like an unspoken thing but there's a lot of guys that will go out before they tee it up will either rip a few shots in the uh parking lot to just calm their nerves or they're high as fuck. They smoke a bunch of weed. So a lot of those guys out on mini tours are doing the same shit. Like they're not sober when they go out there. Um, 
So, but just relatively speaking that he's so nonchalant about the entire situation. He's like, well, I got to go shoot fucking five under six under on this really tough course and don't think I'm going to get it done. And then all of a sudden he does it like And you know, that's the thing with golf is there really, and he kind of actually said it. He's like, I kind of just go play golf and kind of let the chips fall where they may like, there's no like trying harder. Maybe there's, I guess there's a level of commitment to each golf shot and a level of like focus. So I guess that is trying in golf, but you can't will the ball into the hole. So just for him to be like, fuck it, you know, I don't really care if I qualify or not. Um, And then he goes out and shoots that number to get into the U S open when a lot of guys, you know, this is their super bowl to, to qualify for the U S open. It's a career accomplishment. I mean, if I ever made the U S open that I'd be like, hi, I'm Mitchell Smith. I played in the U S open. Like it's a fucking bit. It's a bit. They'd be like, what's the weather like today? Oh, I played in the U S open. Like it's, it's a very big career accomplishment. So for him to downplay that and when you're on tour, it it's definitely looks a little bit different because you're kind of expected to be there. But uh, yeah, just to give some perspective, it's very, very fucking hard to go out there and just fire five under for fun at a sectional course. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and he just, like you said, he was super nonchalant about it, but one of the things that he said that stuck out with me personally, and this is when I say anything on this podcast, it's obviously it's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. It's relative. Like I'm not sitting here saying that like, I'm going to be playing in a fucking U S open qualifier or making U S open. But when like when I'm playing a quote unquote competitive round of golf, I, I have very much the same mentality as him where I'm, you know, mine, like the practice part of it's the whole different part where I'm just talking in, you know, from stepping on the first tee to finishing a putt on the 18th hole or WDing myself. Um, I, I really resonate with his idea that like you go into it thinking, okay, let the chips fall where they may. But the second you start like a few breaks go your way and you start feeling like you do have a chance, like you lock in a ton more. And I, feel Oh yeah. Your expectations way. change. And it's just like a totally different ball game at that point. Yeah. And that I, I definitely see that with you for sure, because then you start putting pressure on yourself. Like a lot of your rounds are like get good. And then they, sometimes decline in the other direction because then you're like, then you put the expectation of shooting that low score on yourself. And that's when you, you know, you put too much pressure and then expectations and yada, 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 you get what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, he, he definitely kind of just felt it out. And like I said, it's pretty rare for guys with that kind of talent to be able to just go feel it out on a, a course like that and end up, um, qualifying for the U.S. Open. So I'm going to drop a few of my like little notes um, that I thought were funny or good. When he said, I'm not a threat when I walk into these things, talking about the PGA Tour events is fucking hilarious. I have that on mine as well. Yeah. Yeah. When like in everybody's been there, no matter what level you're at, where you just look at a dude and you're like, they're a non-factor. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like just, when you're when you're you know kid, you're gonna whoop that ass. Yeah, when you're a kid and you're like going into a team sport, which is of course very different from golf. Or I guess if you're related to golf, you watch guys on the range and you're like, oh, not worried about that dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of like the opposite of me 
for a while because I, I didn't hit it very well on the range. And I honestly still don't put a whole lot of stock into how I hit the ball on the range. But then you see guys that just stripe it on the range and they come in and they shoot 80 and you're like, how the fuck did that happen? But at the end of the day, you still got to get the ball in the hole, no matter, you know, how fucking far you hit it, how straight you hit it on the range. Any anything on the range is not real life. So uh, unless you're a PJ tour player, uh, a lot of the time you're not just going to go out and uh, play as well, you know, hit the ball really well on the range and then go shoot 65. It's just not a, a real thing. Um, if I was on tour, I'd want a caddy exactly like Joel's caddy, Gino. I kind of touched on that, but uh, just a dude that is super lighthearted and doesn't take it too seriously and, and kind of knows what, what Joel needs when he's out there because that's just – a good caddy can improve your game and a bad caddy can make your game worse. So, you know, it definitely has to be like a fitting thing with, with two guys. And he definitely found his guy with Gino. Yeah. Well, going back to when I caddied for you, that's, what's interesting to me is I, obviously, if you were not saying I'm not retroactively acting the way I did or didn't at flying horse golf club 10 plus years ago, but I think I could be a good caddy for you overall, but I also think the fact that we're actually brothers changes the dynamic just a hair versus oh, for sure. them being borderline, you know, like we're like brothers only closer SpongeBob meme, but <laughs> they're not actually brothers, you know, like, so I think that does change, maybe change the aspect of it a little bit. And I think one thing that really it gets highlighted on in this show in general with finding, you know, when they talk about the JTs and the, the Jordan Spieths, it's like, Oh, this game is easy for all these guys from the time they're 12 on. And, you know, that was technically true for Joel Damon. Like he's winning the state championship at by eight shots when he's a freshman. So it seems easy at that point, but then it's not always easy as some players make it seem to get to the top of the golf world and not saying Joel Joel Damon is not, as at the top of the golf world, but compared to compared to the PGA tour, he's mediocre, if you will, but compared to the entire world of golf, like he's the top one, he's the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. And so the, the little highlights of the story of it just not being easy for him. And he's not like this big, like I'm the best player in the world kind of guy. Like a lot of those other dudes have to act and they, and some of them are, and some of them have been world number one. So they act that way. And I don't necessarily blame him, but even going back to his caddy and like the chances you have to take to try to make it out there. Like his caddy is just like, I'm going to live in my, I'm going to buy a Honda civic and I'm going to live in it. It's, it's a deep cut the chances these guys take and there's you know there's great stories like joel and his caddy that have made a good amount of money and being able to live on this but then there's you know for every one good one there's 10 to 20 bad ones of guys that have put all their money and now are you know doing who knows what trying to make it on tour and probably missed their break by one or two shots in certain circumstances oh for sure uh so i agree with what you said about the brother thing because i think me hearing something from you like coming from your brother pisses you off but if it was coming from a buddy it would be like yeah he's kind of right or like you know it, it, you just take it differently coming from coming from your brother um and yeah i thought kind of highlighting how he worked his way there and he didn't go to college like a lot of these big name kids and that was kind of the same route i went um but 
it really is amazing the dedication that these guys like Gino, like you said, he was like, I'm going to buy a Honda Civic and somehow make it my house. And did you ever see that iceberg? Like me, it's not, a, it's kind of a meme, um, but it's like the hard work. I know exactly what you're talking about, what you see above the water and then like what's yeah. below the water. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's so much more that goes into it and, and so many sacrifices made for almost all of these guys. So, I mean, you know, there's different levels of sacrifice. Some of the top guys aren't necessarily sacrificing as much as, uh, you know, some of the guys just grinding to get out there, but a sacrifice nonetheless. So it's like these guys are, are grinding in order to uh, just get a chance and then they got to go perform well. And then, you know, especially with the two are getting so top heavy with the current rules and we'll discuss that not rules, but current, like now future setup of top heavy events and shit. Like there's such a premium on getting there and it's being, it's getting harder and harder to get there. But once you're there, you know, you still got to play your ass off to prove yourself. I just looked up uh, Joel Damon's career earnings. He's at 10.3 million. Um, so I'd say he's, he's done pretty well since, uh, I, I don't know how many years he's been full time. He's played in 160 career events. So I would ballpark that around six, uh, six to seven full seasons on tour. So he's making pretty fucking good money and, you know, his sponsors are paying him pretty well too. So overall he's living a great life now, but the, those sacrifices, like you said, there's hundreds of dudes out there. I, I remember hearing this story about this Australian kid that I met. Um, I actually played in a few mini tour events with, and he was up here um, trying to play, play professional golf. And he was a good stick. And he actually caddied out a car at a golf club a few times when I was out there doing some four caddying. Um, but he said that he went to Canadian tour Q school. This was probably 2018 or 2019. He went to Canadian tour Q school missed by like one missed getting his card by one. He rented a car, drove to Canada, slept in his car for four months straight and Monday qualified for every single Canadian tour event and got through in every single Canadian tour event there was and slept in, in this tiny shit box of a car every single night. Like that is fucking dedication till the end. And I like, I respect the shit out of that. So I'm going to be honest. I didn't have that kind of dedication. That's why I'm fucking sitting on my couch watching college basketball in this PGA tour full swing. Um, but the, yeah, it, it, there's so many stories. You could do a million stories about all the guys that haven't made it or are still working to make it. And that's why we're such a big fan of like Monday qualifier info on Twitter and people that highlight not just the top tier guys, you know, and that I really appreciate the show for doing that, not just highlighting the best players on tour. Cause realistically, I mean, making the PJ tour is a very, very big challenge. I won't say it's unachievable, but for most people becoming a top five player in the world, flat out just is not going to happen. Like you could work day and night for the rest of your life and you'll never get there. So um, I, I think them highlighting, uh, the the lesser guys is very cool. Um, Gino's swing, I thought, was super pure. Like, I'm sure he was a very good player in his day. Did you see him swing it? Yeah, uh, when they were, like, playing or, like, messing around and, like, talking shit to each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, uh... you could tell. Yeah, he's, like, the guy, the perfect guy to be a caddy because he's played at, 
you know, whatever level it sounded like maybe just high school, but knows the game well enough to be like, all right, this is kind of how this should be played. You know, and most caddies get to that point when they're a high level caddy or their players just really that good. And they know how to manage their, manage their game, the the player's game and the player's attitude. But overall, I think it, it does give a little leg up to guys that like Gino that have played either competitive golf at all, or just have, have a pretty good golf game because you, when you play it well, you can kind of see it well too. Oh, absolutely. I, I was going to say having a, a good player as a, uh, as a caddy is a huge leg up and just being, being a caddy, having that kind of experience makes you much more desirable to players because you've been there and done that and hit those shots, even if it's not been at that level. So uh, definitely, I, I would say it's either guys like, like fluff who was Jim Ferrick's caddy for a long time. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of player he was back in his day, but he was just such a wily veteran that, and he just knew all the courses so well and uh, just knew his way around that uh, you either go that route or you just be a, a good player and, and make buddies with uh, somebody that's better than you are. And then you get on their bag and that's kind of how you get out there. Yeah, exactly. Just find somebody that's better than you, exactly like his caddy did. Yeah, and uh, and roll with it. Yeah, uh, I will say. Uh, do you have any other anything else you wanted to get to? I got one more, but you go ahead. No, I'm I'm gonna wrap it up. So you get you get your one more. In. Okay. Um, my last note that I had in here was after Joel's second round at the U.S. Open, like he was what tied for second or tied for the lead. Yeah. Um, or was he in the lead? Did he make that birdie on 18? I don't remember. I, d- I don't sure. remember either. I looked away for like two seconds. Either way, tied for the lead, in the lead, whatever. And Gino goes over under on how many unread text messages I have. He had 1,207 unread text messages. Like that stresses me the fuck out. Oh, yeah. I, having I'm not a I'm not one of those kinds of dudes. Like I check my email multiple times a day, delete the bullshit respond where needed like i i'm not one of those people that can sit there with thousands of unread things and just fucking let it fly so and also like those got to be group chats hopefully some some group chats because who the fuck knows 1200 people that would text you like right unless you unless somebody was just like i don't know yeah i mean i guess when you i mean unless you never know yeah unless they made buddies with just like everybody on the along the way like on mini tours and shit and and i i could see gino doing that just because he's that kind of dude um because it's it's great to have connections and have buddies and places to stay and courses to go play you know in different states and shit so having more buddies is never a bad thing but 1207 text messages made me fucking sick just absolutely shook you yeah, I would I would be like laying up all night sorting through those and either responding, deleting. I they there it would read zero before I fell asleep that night. Yeah, the the liking of text messages would would come in very handy there. Oh yeah, double tap till I die. <laughs> um, and the other thing I'll wrap it up with also very relatable, which is this whole episode kind of to me. Other than I'm not a PGA Tour player, is like the stroller shopping. And he's like, oh, I'm so terrified to be a dad. I'm currently right in that boat right now where it's like <laughs> excited, but also like you're stroller shopping. And you're like, holy fuck, like 
hopefully this kid wants to nap when I nap and it's really the other way around. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I felt, I felt becoming very real. Exactly. That one, that one hit, hit close to home. hundred percent. That makes sense. I was thinking <laughs> about you when I was watching it. <laughs> that I that I like to think I'm as funny as he was in there, yeah. but probably not. I'm usually more nerdy and just say something stupid. Well, you actually, I went stroller shopping kind of with you guys, not not shopping, but like putting shit on your your uh, registry. And you and I pretty much just fucked around the whole time and made jokes like ten year olds. So I don't know how you're about to have a child when we act like large children ourselves. But yeah, I I definitely. Uh, I think you were a little unsettled at the stroller. <laughs> also, those stores are fucking that store looked like the nicest stroller store because we went to Bye Bye Baby fucking stre- talk about stress. I'd rather have 5000 text messages than be stuck in that store for like two hours a day. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, exactly. It was, uh, yeah, that just kind of brought back some stress in general from that. Luckily, my wife had a stroller picked out and we could just order it online. We didn't have to go shopping, but also part of the show. Just funny to relate to them. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> well, this may be uh, right now. It's definitely the top episode. We'll, we'll, we won't give any spoilers on the episodes moving forward, but definitely awesome to see Joel Damon in that light. And he's kind of made a star out of himself now from there's going to be so many people that watch that, that randomly just show up to a tour event and they're like, Oh, I know that guy. Like, whereas, you know, one of his parting lines was nobody's going to know who I was. And I think this show might individually change that for him. Really? For sure. I agree. I was thinking the exact same thing when, and he's like, nobody's going to remember me. Like, I'm never going to be in the Hall of Fame and I don't really care. Like, people think I don't care and I really don't. I was like, this right here is what's going to make people care about you. So kind of an ass backwards deal. But uh, yeah, I I don't think he'll be easily forgotten by any means. No, shout out Joel Damon. What a great episode. Uh, Thank you guys all for following along and listening. If you haven't yet, give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to this um, podcast at we appreciate you all listening. We appreciate you all following along. Enjoy this weekend of the players. It's shaping up to be quite the interesting event with a lot of uh, Joel Damon level guys up there at the top of the leaderboard now going into the weekend. So enjoy that. We'll talk to you guys next week with a full episode of Big Drive Energy. Peace. Hell yeah, fuck yeah.